Hey out there to all my loyal listeners, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Saber Talk podcast. It is September 24th. We are now three days into training camp, and there's not a ton to discuss. I, I had been expecting some roster moves or at least some some guys coming in on PTOs for training camp to maybe talk, you know, have a few more guys to talk about and see what's going to shake out with the roster battles coming into camp. But they haven't brought anybody in, haven't signed any veterans. I had talked about on the previous podcast that I had that I expected them to bring in somebody to compete for a fourth-line role, maybe somebody to come in and fill that seventh defenseman role. But it looks like they're rolling into camp with what they've got. I wouldn't rule out them making any moves, maybe looking at the waiver wire, seeing who doesn't make other teams and, and who's available and trying to bring somebody in or a couple guys in because they have roster spots up for grabs. But they haven't done that yet. So there's not a lot to talk about in terms of new additions or changes. And I think the situation is pretty similar to what we had discussed previously. So the, the big battles coming into camp, it looks like, are the, for the 13th forward spot and for the 7th defenseman spot. And probably 13th and 14th forward spot. I think they're going to end up keeping 14 forwards, most likely. But obviously they could end up going with, with 8 defensemen and 13 forwards. But I know that there was some contention over doing that last year, and they were more doing that last year just due to the makeup of the roster. And coming into this year, that's that's not what it's looking like. Unless they bring in some players, I, I would highly doubt they would keep eight defensemen on the final 23-man roster. So, really, first I'll talk about the 13th forward spot and who I think is going to end up getting that. I think you're going to have this, the same 12 forwards that were on the team last year that are back now. Well, really 11 forwards plus Kyle Poso. Those guys, those guys will be on the team in all likelihood. I know if they had made some additions, maybe somebody like Matt Molson or Nick Delorier could have been on the fringe, but those 12 players will make it. So really it's only those other roster spots that are up for grabs. And you can make an argument in multiple different directions as to who will get that spot. So obviously the most talented players that are competing up front are – Justin Bailey, Hudson Fashing, and Alex Nylander. Now, Alex Nylander, I don't think, has a realistic shot to make the team. I don't think he's physically ready yet to play in the NHL, and I think they want him to get either a year down in the AHL or maybe back over in Europe or go back to juniors for another year and have a real shot to make the team next year. Justin Bailey, Hudson Fashing, obviously, are in the organization Justin Bailey has more professional experience. Hudson Fashing only had the games down the stretch that he played last year. So I think Fashing, I think that kind of rules Fashing out. I think it's best for him to go back down to the back down to the minors, hopefully get a full year or close to a full year down in Rochester, maybe be one of the first call-ups and get some games up in Buffalo. But I'd be surprised if he made the team for that reason. Justin Bailey, I think, has probably the best combination of experience, pedigree, and talent, and upside. So if you're looking for just the best candidate to make the team, he would probably be it. But I don't know if there's a top nine spot out there for him, and he's not somebody you're going to want to have sitting in the press box. So I think that's the one strike against him and why I think it's more likely that it's going to be 
you know, Cal O'Reilly or Cole Schneider filling that role because those are those are guys that really have fully developed. They're not going to continue to get better. Uh, Cole Schneider, I believe, is 26 now. Cal O'Reilly's in his late 20s. So those are guys that you can have filling a 13th and 14th forward role, be traveling with the team, be an extra, without having to worry about stalling their development because they're sitting in the press box rather than playing every night. So I think that's where I'm leaning right now in that battle. But I think what makes the most sense is for them to bring in a veteran that can compete, hopefully for a fourth-line center role. could be somebody like David Legwan bringing him back. There are quite a few other names out there. I'm sure there will be other guys waived that would make sense filling that role because I don't love Cal O'Reilly or Cole Schneider in that role. I think Cal O'Reilly brings some things to the table. He's a very good offensive player in the AHL, but he doesn't necessarily add a whole lot to a fourth line at the NHL level. And I think with the way that rosters are constructed now, you want everybody in your lineup to bring some sort of very good skill. And I don't think he has any very good skill. Yeah, he can maybe chip in a little bit of offense from your fourth line, but he's not bringing great face-off ability. He's not adding grit to your lineup. Uh, he's, you know, he's not fantastic defensively. He doesn't really bring any one elite or high-end skill to the table, which would be great if, if they could find somebody that does bring something like that or somebody that brings some higher-end skills like that to the table. And it's the same thing with Cole Schneider. I think he, yeah, he's going to put up points in – in the, in the minors, and he's proven he can do that, and maybe he can chip in a little bit of offense from a fourth-line type of role if the Sabres were to run into injuries. But once again, he's not going to bring any sort of high-level skill to the table. And some people are making an argument for William Carrier that he may have a chance to make the team because he still has a little bit of upside, but he looks like he's going to be able to fill that kind of banging bottom six type of role at the NHL level. I personally don't see that happening. I think if they if they want to go with upside and they want to go with one of the younger guys, Bailey makes the most sense. And Because Carrier you're not going to have sitting in the press box anyways. And if you want to have somebody that's going to sit in the press box, you want to go with O'Reilly or Schneider, somebody like that. Obviously, it's not a fun battle to talk about. Uh, I, I wish there were some more interesting things coming into camp. And I wish we could be talking about Nylander making the team or how Fashing's going to make the team and make a big impact. But I just don't see that happening, barring injuries. And they're coming coming into camp pretty healthy, which is good to see. And looks like Kane is coming in at least to start the season without any sort of ramifications from the NHL. He's still battling his legal case. Uh, so they're in a pretty good position up front in terms of bodies and not needing not needing guys to step up into roles where you weren't expecting them to have to step up to. On the back end, things are pretty similar. I think you're looking at who's going to be the seventh defenseman. And it's a similar argument in that if you want the person with the most upside, if you want the player with the most upside – it's probably Casey Nelson. Because once again, kind of like Nylander talking about him, Gooley doesn't have a chance to make this team. I know people want to say that he was close to making the team last year and he would have gotten a tryout last year. And even if that's the case, which I'd never really bought into that hype, even if that was the case, it was only because the Sabres may have been the worst team in the NHL in terms of left-handed defensive depth. 
And they had one of the worst defensive units in the NHL, but specifically on the left side, which Gouley's left-handed, they were horrendous. That's the only reason why he would have had a chance, because they were decimated with injuries down the left side as well. In addition to having poor depth, they were really banged up on the left side. So I didn't, I didn't buy into him having a chance to make the team last year. I don't buy into him having a chance to make the team this year. Next year, he'll sign and he'll be eligible to go down to the AHL, and he can maybe compete for a spot then. But I, I don't see that happening this year, especially now they've improved their depth on the left side. They brought in Kulikov. Jake McCabe is another year older, hopefully another year more mature and ready to contribute after being kind of thrust into a role that he was not ready for last year. And then you also have Josh Georges. So... Casey Nelson probably makes the most sense if you're looking for somebody younger with a little bit more upside to fill that seventh defenseman role. But I think right now it makes more sense to let him go down, let him play in the minors. He can be the first call up there, but don't have him rotting away in the press box. Cause I don't think he's, he's not going to crack the, crack the top six. He's not going to be playing ahead of Cody Franson with who with all his warts I think still is a decent number six defenseman you can do a lot worse than him as your number six so I think who makes most sense to be that seventh defenseman is Justin Falk which he's not flashy obviously he's another guy that's kind of bounced up and down from the minors to the NHL he's filled that seven eight defenseman role in the past not really much room for him to grow but you don't mind him sitting in the press box. He's not somebody you're trying to develop into something more. He's not somebody you're expecting to be a contributor to this team in the future. So I think he probably has the inside track on that role as of now. But obviously, as I'm talking about the Cal O'Reilly's and Cole Schneider's and Justin Falk's of the world, they're not ideally on this roster to start the year. That's why I think Murray's got to be out there working the phone, seeing who doesn't have a job, who's going to be in a roster crunch elsewhere, and see who he can bring in. Because ideally you would have Cal Riley, Cole Schneider, Justin Falk all contributing down in the minors and hopefully making Rochester into a contender and providing a good environment for these young guys who will be big contributors to this team especially when you've got to pay Eichel and Reinhardt in two off-seasons. They still have to pay Ristolainen. They're going to have a lot of money tied up in a core, in a relatively small core of guys, and they're going to need younger guys, younger, cheaper players to fill these top nine roles up front and these top six roles on the back end. You're going to need that. So you're going to need Justin Bailey to turn into something. You're going to need Hudson Fashing to turn into something. And it's tougher for them. I think they're, they would develop regardless, really, of how good Rochester is. But the ideal place for those guys to develop is somewhere with solid core veterans, a team that's going to contend, a team that's going to win. And I think that'll be best for the Sabres moving forward. And it would be kind of irresponsible, I think, to not try to field the best team down in Rochester as possible. And this franchise has historically neglected their minor league team, you know, whether it's been in Rochester or, or when it was in Portland. This team has historically neglected putting veterans on that team. The only time they've really had great teams down in Rochester are when the prospect pool was just incredible. And that was when you had the whole Miller, Vanek, Pominville, Derek Roy pool of prospects coming up. 
And, you know, that was probably the best wave of prospects the Sabres have had up until again, this eichel Reinhardt stage now. But that's the only time when Rochester has really been good in recent history. Because whether it's been Darcy Regeer at the helm or whether it's been Tim Murray at the helm, I don't think they've done a good job of addressing the minor league team. And they've tried to do it. Murray tried to do it last year. A lot of the, the people he brought in just didn't work out as hoped. There were injuries. Players didn't play at the same high level in the AHL that they had in the past. So I'm not saying that it's been entirely neglected. But I think if you have a chance now where you have these open roster spots and there are going to be players that don't make better teams and there are guys out there looking for jobs, you need to be scouring those markets to try to fill those positions so that you can send the Cole Schneiders and the Cal O'Reilly's and the Justin Falks of the world down to the minors. And you can send all of your higher-end prospects down to the minors and hopefully have something good going down there. Hopefully you can win. Hopefully you can contend for a Calder Cup. Because that really is the future. And that, that's going to be what determines whether this team is going to, to eventually win a Stanley Cup. They've got the core in place. And the core is the most important thing. However, you need to be continually, you need to have a, a good system in place to continually bring players up that are ready to contribute at the NHL level that are cheap. And that's why a team like Chicago has been able to continually be successful. They've been able to bring guys up, seamlessly get them into the lineup because they do a good job of developing them. And then once they get too expensive, they trade them away, bring in more draft picks and young talent, develop that young talent back up again, and continue that cycle. Also, they're able to get lucky because it's a winning atmosphere. You can bring in free agents on the cheap who are looking for a chance to win a cup. That's a huge part of it, too, so I don't want to discount that. But I think figuring out really what is this team's philosophy going to be in terms of developing its, its young talent. And certain guys... Guys like Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt, it almost doesn't matter how you develop them. They are going to be good. Regardless of what your system looks like, they are going to be good because they are just high-level NHL prospects. But it's more your second-tier and third-tier guys where that really matters. And you know that's where I kind of think of players like Hudson Fashing and Justin Bailey, and you can even throw Nick Baptiste in there. I think Alex Nylander is a higher-end prospect than any of those guys. But none of them are on the level of an Eichel or a Reinhardt where they're going to be good really regardless of the development just because they've always been that, that much further ahead of their peers. They've been dominant their entire lives. But it's, it's those other guys that are going to fill the more complementary roles moving forward where I think building a winning sort of tradition down in Rochester does make a difference. And it's easy to poo-poo that and to, and to not think about it just because it's the minor league team and people want to think, oh, all that really matters is, is what's happening at the at the NHL level. But in a cap world, you can't think that way. So I've got to hope that Murray's being active. I don't think anybody ever has accused him of being inactive. So I've got to think he's seen who's out there, who's looking for a job, who looks like they're going to be on the outside looking in elsewhere. And there are always some good players that hit the waiver wire. Good meaning NHL caliber players that hit the waiver wire just because there's there's numbers crunch elsewhere. Um, so I'm not going to talk any further about I think roster battles at this time. Um, I do want to discuss 
the World Cup of Hockey a little bit. And first I want to talk about Team USA, just how disappointing they were. And I think this was a team that they're trying to construct a team like it's 10 or 15 years ago. They are behind the times. Look at how these other teams are constructed. They bring their best players. They assemble talent, and they figure out how to weave that talent together into a team. They don't try to bring all these different guys to fill niche roles. That's not how Team Canada does it. And I know that Team Canada, I know Canada has a wider pool of talent, but the U.S. has a pretty wide pool of talent as well. But bring your best players and then figure out how you can play to those players' strengths. Don't try to bring in players to fit a particular role that you have in mind. I, I think that's a backwards way to put together a national team. And it's embarrassing. You know, I, I, don't expect you, I don't expect the U.S. to be on the level of Canada every year. But they should be competitive. It shouldn't be a blowout. It shouldn't be where there are so many years where Team USA doesn't look like they belong on the same sheet of ice as Canada or even as Team Sweden or Team Russia because there is a, a talented enough pool of players in the U.S. where they can field a quality national team. But to leave a guy like Phil Kessel, look at the season he just had. I know that he's much maligned and he doesn't have a great reputation, but to leave somebody like that home, one of the most talented players in the U.S., was inexcusable to leave somebody like Kevin Shattenkirk home who's a high-level player, brings offense to the table. I mean, you can even talk about from a Sabres perspective, Kyle Ocposo. He He's proven to be one of the more consistent offensive players in the NHL in recent times. Instead, he, he doesn't make the team. They bring guys like Brandon Dubinsky, who I'm, I'm not saying that he's a, a bad player or anything, but he's not on the level of a Phil Kessel or of a Kyle Oposo. And there are other players too that you could, you know, you could name probably five, five to 10 players. You can make a pretty good argument that they should have been on this team, but it's obvious that the, that the roster that was brought was not the most talented group of U S players. I think that's the biggest thing they're going to have to figure out moving forward. It's just player selection. And yes, you have a great wave of players coming up. You've got to hope Jack Eichel's a staple on Team USA moving forward. Johnny Goudreau, Austin Matthews. This is one of the best waves of, of U.S. talent that we've ever seen. So that's going to help things. But I think even with this new wave of talent coming, in order to compete on the stage, because Canada has a, has a wave of talent coming. They always have another wave of talent coming. They need to figure out how do we put the most talented team on the ice and how do we put a coaching staff in place that's going to work with whomever we think is whomever we think is the most talented group of players we need a staff that's going to adjust their style to that group of players and you know up front if it's if it's 12 offensive first forwards then you figure out okay how do we play to those strengths if six of those guys are more defensive oriented and elite defensive players okay then we're gonna you know we're gonna choke other teams out we're gonna we're gonna defend we're gonna we're gonna play two to one games but I don't want them to have this preconceived notion of this is the style we want to play so we're gonna bring those types of players 
I think that's a recipe to lose, and it's one of the reasons why the only the only way they've had a chance to win in international play is relying on hot goaltending, and that's not sustainable. We see that in the NHL too. Teams that are too reliant on their goaltending, inevitably, yeah, they may have a run here and there, but they're not consistently contenders year in and year out because they're relying on their goaltender to to have a to have an elite performance which is tough to get every year you know regardless of who you are whether you're Henrik Lundqvist or Roberto Luongo or Carey Price it's it's hard to bank on getting high you know top 2 or 3 level performance year in and year out and for that goalie to get hot at the right time in the playoffs I'm talking about in the NHL and then in an international tournament for them to get hot at the right time you know going into the medal rounds it's just it's not a sustainable strategy so I think that was the most disappointing thing to come out of this because obviously you want to be sympathetic to to team USA but I think looking at team North America and watching them you can you can come out of watching some of their games and think, wow, the NHL has a great future ahead of it. Look at all this skill that's coming up the pipeline. And these players are only going to get better and better as they get older. You know, the, the Eichels, like all these guys are under 23. You know, the Eichels and McDavid's are 19. You know, Austin Matthews is 18. It's, it's going to be exciting to see. Exciting to see them mature, become – really the elite players because there's a ton of skill there and I think there's a good amount of confidence there you know maybe bordering on arrogance which I think you need a little bit of so that was the most exciting thing I think coming out of this tournament obviously there's still more to go both of those teams are eliminated though so a lot of my interest is gone I'll, I'll continue to watch just because I like watching hockey but Team USA and Team North America were the teams that I was following the closest. So one left me optimistic, one left me very pessimistic. And hopefully, moving forward, Team USA can learn from this mistake, which I think there were many mistakes made. Uh, so the f first preseason game is coming up on Monday against Minnesota. So hopefully I'll have a discussion after that, maybe a podcast out. I'm not sure if that's going to be on TV or not. So I may have to listen to it on the radio and rely on what other people are saying and see what the what the lines end up looking at. There There is some idea of lines coming out of camp right now. Uh, it looked like Gergensen's was centering uh, Felino and Gianta, which I don't know if that means anything. It, it, it's really too early to tell. I would be surprised if they had Gergensen centering that line rather than Larson just because of how much success that Felino larson gianta line had last year. Uh, you also have McCabe and Franson playing together on the back end. So could that be a pairing going into the season? Could that be the third pairing? And then have Georges play with Bogosian, Kulikov with Ristolainen? Maybe. It's kind of too early to tell, though. I ho hopefully we'll start to see some of that moving into the first preseason game and they'll have, you know, maybe one line and one defensive pairing from the actual NHL roster in that game. And you can start to start to draw some conclusions, but I'm trying not to draw too many yet because I think it's still too early to tell, but hopefully I'll talk to you then. Appreciate you listening, getting really excited to start the season. I'm sure 
everybody out there is feeling the same way. So thank you.